Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. So I'm going to conclude the message series I started last week uh, called, called Not So Secret Identity. And uh, I talked about last week how the fact that, you know, you have Superman. He's probably the most recognizable superhero of all times. And uh, he had the lamest secret identity, right? He, he puts on his glasses and all of a sudden you don't know that it's Superman. And, you, you, you know, and it's Clark Kent and takes him off and then you know. And it's, it's sort of ridiculous. And, and that if you actually were to look closely... It's a not-so-secret identity because it's not that hard to figure out. And the same thing is true with God. God has, this, God has a personality. God desires to be known. He desires for us to know who he is and to walk with him and have a relationship with us. That's literally why he created us. And sometimes we feel like God's got this secret identity. It's hard to figure out who he is and it's hard to understand and get to know him and all these different things. And, and, and what I was showing you last time was that it's actually a not-so-secret identity because if we look... Uh, you know, there's the scripture and all these different things. And if we look, we will find that it's actually laid out for us in scripture exactly who God is. And he desires very much to get to know us and to have a relationship with us. And, and so I talked about the fact that if we do that, it's going to change things forever, which is what we're going to talk about this week. And that's actually change. And, and, the, and the fact of the matter is, when we get to know God more, when we have God working in our hearts and our lives in a, in a more significant way, it actually changes us. We change. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I am tired and I, I've become so frustrated with those times when, you know how you know God is trying to challenge you and work on something in your life and saying, okay, you need to change this about you. And we struggle and we try and we try and, and we sometimes find some measures of success. But, you know, it just seems so hard and, and lots of times we fail. We just we try to be who God has called us to be. We try to step into the things, and, and we just we fail. And, and I think, honestly, because we do it on our own. We try to do it in our own strength. I've been there. I've done that. I'm, I'm, that's that, that's kind of how I'm wired. I just, you know, if I have a task, I'm going, okay, I'm going to muscle through it and do whatever I need to do to get it happen and make it happen. And I just try to do it on my own. But the reality is that when we have relationship with God, uh, you know, what happens is God starts to do some of those things by osmosis. And some of these things start to change and we begin to change who we are. And, and what happens is, is we, we begin to have a not so secret identity as well. And it becomes obvious to those around us that we're Christians. And, and, and because God is changing us. And, and change should be continual, just, just for the record. God actually wants each and every one of us to change. None of us have arrived None of us have achieved this place of perfection and figuring everything out. We've all, we all have room to grow. We all have work to, to be done. And, and you know, when we're, when we're younger, which I still feel like I am, um, but I don't, maybe my age doesn't say that I am, but when we're younger, change is easier because we know we have lots to figure out. We know we have lots. And, and, and you know, so it's easy. I understand that I have lots to learn. I have lots to grow. As we get older, Change becomes harder because we start to have confidence and feel like we know what, you know, we know a bunch of stuff and we do know more stuff. It's not, it's not that that's not true, but we still need to change. Change needs to be something that God is continuing to do in us. He needs to continue to work in us and, and we, we need to work on it and, and continue to allow God to change us. Let me read this passage to you in Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 and it says this, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, 
I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly, your, the, truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so here we have this passage where he's saying he will literally change the way we think. When we are transformed by God, he will, he will change us and make us more and more. And then we will know God's will for us. And then we will be able to walk in these things. And, and so what God wants to do is he literally wants to change the way we think. He wants to work in us. And as we draw close to him, and as we get to know him, he will change the way we think. And so what I want to do for this message today is I want to show you three different examples in Scripture of how how people were changed just because they knew God. They were changed because they got to, to know God in a greater way and just like these people, uh, you know, they had, they, they had all kinds of problems and, and all kinds of different things. And, and our identity as a Christian will become a not-so-secret identity if we grow closer to God, just like it did for these people. And it will become more apparent to those around us as well. People will notice and will see the fact that God has done something in our lives. And so the first person who has a not-so-secret identity was Moses. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about Moses, especially in the superhero thing, uh, is that Moses actually did sort of have a secret identity, right? If you know the story of Moses, he, he was born an Israelite, but he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter in, in, you know, in the palace, in, in the courts of, of Egypt, uh, as, as an Egyptian. And, and so here he was, he was actually a secret Israelite growing up, in, in, and he had this secret identity. And, and of course, what happened is, you know, he was out walking around one day, and he saw some of his Israelite brothers being beaten by slave masters. And he took offense to that, and he did the superhero thing. And he went and, and he took care of it, and he protected those people who were being beaten by, by the Egyptian. But he did clearly not know. How many superhero fans do we have in the room? Any superhero fans? A few of you? You know, what's the moral code for a superhero? You, you defend the good guy, and you stop the bad guy, but you don't kill the bad guy. That's like, everyone knows that. And Moses clearly didn't, because Moses went, and he, he protected them, and then he went and killed the Egyptian. And, and then, then, of course, he went into hiding. And Moses knew he was, he was in trouble, and he ran, and he went, to, he went into the desert, left Egypt, and, and probably, what, in his mind, he probably thought for the rest of his life. He probably thought, that's it, I'm done for the rest of my life, I've just messed this all up, and so now for the rest of my life, I'm out and I'm leaving this place. And, and, and so here he is, this, he's, he's gone now, he's made a mess of everything. This is this man, Moses, who, you know, we, of course, we know the Bible, and we know that he became one of the most amazing leaders of all time, but in the beginning, his life was a mess, and, and he was a disaster, and then he has this experience with God, and he's out in the, in the desert one day in the wilderness, and, and there's this bush that's burning, and it's not consuming the bush. The, the, the wood's staying, and yet there's this fire burning, and, and so he's, he notices it and goes, and he and has a conversation with God, because God is speaking to him through the bush. And so he has this conversation and he gets to know God and, and, and God challenges him on things and gets him to step into some things. And, and, and he got to know God and God called him out and changed him more and more and more. And as the years went on, he became one of the greatest leaders of all time. Now, but even he struggled 
As he, it's not like everything happened overnight. And sometimes we, we look at this story and we think, okay, well, Moses was this amazing leader and he had this experience with God and God called him and then he just jumped into it. And we don't recognize that it was a journey for him. It was a, it was a challenge. It was one step at a time and, and he worked through it. And in the beginning, honestly, I don't actually think Moses was the greatest leader. He was willing but he wasn't the greatest leader. And he struggled even sometimes to get the Israelites to follow him. And you'll remember that uh, you know, they, they, they were out of Egypt. They, 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 they got out of, out of the land, out of slavery. And they're in the wilderness. And uh, they were about to go to the promised land. And so Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to go and scout it out and find out, okay, what are we in, what, what, what's in for here? What are we going to discover? What do we need to know? What are the things that we have to look for? And all that kind of stuff. And, and of course... The 12 spies came back and they said, it's amazing. Everything that the Lord has promised us is here. This is an amazing land. It's great for our people, but here's the problem. And there was 10 spies that said that there's giants in the land. It's too hard for us. We will not be able to defeat these people. And, and they sowed fear amongst all the Israelites. And so, of course, the Israelites were afraid. They didn't want to go. And I want to pick up this story uh, right then, and uh, after the spies came back with this negative report, and this is what the Israelites did. It's, it's in Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. And it says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't have it been better for us to return to Egypt? And then they plotted amongst themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And so here we have this story. You know, Moses was trying his best to lead him. He was trying to do, and the people were rejecting his leadership. They, they did not like his leadership. They, they, you know, he was struggling. So he didn't like instantly become this amazing leader. But as time went on, we see that they eventually had this huge respect. And we know a lot about Moses' life because a whole bunch of the Old Testament is, is that journey and, and through that story. And so we know a lot of the inner workings and what happened and the process and all these different things. And if you follow it, you can see clearly that he changed more and more and more as he grew closer and closer to God. And eventually people had this huge respect for him. God actually referred to him as the humblest man on earth. In Numbers 12 verse 3 it says, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on the earth. And he, you know, we, he performed these crazy miracles. He, he turned a staff into, into a snake. He, he parted the Red Sea. And that list goes on and on and on of all of these things that he did and that God used him for. And, and we have this, this amazing man. But here's the question that we need to think about. Was this the same guy that killed the Egyptian you know, a whole bunch of years earlier and then ran into hiding and hid in the wilderness for what he thought would have been the rest of his life? Is this the same guy that did all those things? And the answer is, is yes, it's the same guy, but he's a different person because God has changed him. And, and when we have a relationship with God, it changes us. And the more we get to know God, the more he was changed, and the more we will be changed. It's important to note what God says about Moses. It's in Numbers 12, verses 7 to 8. It says, But not with my servant Moses. Of all of my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. 
He sees the Lord as he is, so why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? And so to me, it's no wonder that Moses was such a changed individual. Look at the relationship he had with God. He had this amazing relationship with God. And because he had this understanding and he understand that God was, had a personality and, and that he wanted to be known and he had this relationship with God, he he's literally was a changed man. And, and God can change our hearts more than, than you know. When I was in high school, you, this may or may not come to a surprise to you, but in, when I was in high school about six years ago, um, the, uh, the <laughs> it, it, it's a few more than that, but not too many more. And uh, I actually did not plan on doing what I'm doing right now. It, I did not feel like I wanted to be a pastor. My dad actually was a pastor. I, I saw that growing up. I wanted nothing to do with that. And so I had no desire to be a pastor. I planned on going to computer science uh, and, um, and I was going to make lots of money. And, you know, you go to University of Waterloo, they had a co-op program you could do back then and I'd be able to work part-time and go to school part-time and I'd come out with my, with my degree and be able to do computers. And that was, because it was a few years ago, it was right when computers were coming out and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get ahead of this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this thing happen. And that was my plan. And I would, I'd love to tell you that I had this moment where God spoke to me and he said, no, Dwayne, that's the wrong plan. Uh, in fact, I want you to go, to go become a pastor, go to Bible college. It's not what actually happened for me. And what happened for me is I can't totally explain this, but it was like I woke up one morning and my heart was just changed. And all of a sudden, I no longer had a desire to do that. I had a desire to go to Bible college and, and be a pastor. And I did, didn't have a moment where God spoke to me or I heard anything. He just changed my heart. And he changed my desire. And, and because of that, that moment, you're all stuck with me now. So you get to blame God for that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thank you for, for one person. All right. And, um, and, and, you know, here's the thing. God changes our hearts. And, and God wants to, when we grow closer to him, he is going to change our hearts, and he will do the same thing for you. And because of my relationship with him, he changed me. It's like this time I was, I was doing this wedding, and uh, the bride was super nervous to, to go down the aisle. She, she, just, uh, she had a whole bunch of anxiety and was fearful of all the people around and all those kinds of things. And she said, I don't, I don't know if I can go through with this. I don't think I can make it down the aisle, I might, we might have to call a wedding off. And, I, and I, so I sat her down and I said, let's just, let's just talk about this. You know, we can, we can figure this thing out together. And, and so I, I said, Here, here's the strategy you need to have. When you walk in, into the back of the room and you go down, you just look, all, look right down the aisle. You just focus on the aisle. Don't worry about all the people. Just focus on the aisle. And when you get up about halfway through the room, then you look up at the altar at the front and you just focus on the altar. And don't worry about the people, just focus on the altar. And then when you get to the front, your groom is going to be standing there, and you just look at him, and you focus on him. You just focus on the groom. And so you, you start by focusing on the aisle, then you focus on the altar, and then you focus on him. And if you do that, you're going to make it, you're, you're going to be able to get past your anxiety, and, and this is going to be okay. And you know what? It worked brilliantly for her. And, and she, she got in, and she had that glow that brides have, and, and just was cheerful, and she made it all the way down the aisle, and, and everything went well. And she, you know, all that anxiety was gone, but there was one, one small problem. Imagine, you know, what happened, imagine the people in the room, because what happened is she was repeating it out loud the thing that, this little mantra, she says, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. 
You know, just for the record, that usually doesn't work out too well. When you try to marry someone, you think you will alter them. Uh, But with God, when we have relationship with him, he does alter us. And it's actually a good thing because we need to be altered. We need to be changed. And he has things that he wants to do in us and through us. And, uh, and we need to be willing to do that. So the first person who ended up having a not-so-secret identity is Moses. The second person, or people actually in this case, were the disciples. You know, we have all read the stories. The disciples were not the greatest and the brightest. And Pastor Mark has talked about lots of these stories over the years. And we see these moments where these disciples just are kind of clued out. They just don't get it and... Um, you know, the, you, Jesus has so much patience for them. He tells them over and over and over again, and they just struggle, and they try to figure these things out. And, and, uh, and I want to tell you about one story in particular where Jesus was in his final days on earth. And, and last, last week when we chatted, I talked about how, how Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and he did it to fix the gap, right? Because we have this gap between us and God. And, and he came to fix the gap. And this was a serious moment for Jesus. And, and it was, you know, he knew what he was about to go in for. He knew... The struggles that were about to happen. He knew that he was about to die this suffer, and suffer on a cross and that it was going to be painful and all these kinds of things. And, and he was willing to do it because he, he loved you and he loves me and he loves the disciples and, and he was willing to pay that price. But it was, it was something that would have been a somber kind of moment. And to top it off, he had someone who was going to betray him. And Jesus, because Jesus knew everything, he knew who would betray him. And so he's sitting in this room with his disciples and just imagine for a moment that you're there and you're Jesus and you know what you're about to go through. You know you're about to struggle and all these kinds of things and you have a betrayer in your midst and you're feeling all of the weight of all those things. And so then Jesus does this and this is what he says in that moment. He says, it says in Luke 22, 21 to 24. But here at this table, sitting amongst us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other. Uh, the disciples began to ask each other which one of them would do such a thing. Then they began to argue amongst themselves who would be the greatest amongst them. <laughs> Do you catch that? There, here's Jesus in this serious moment and going through all this stuff and he says, hey, one of you are going to betray me. And they start by asking, well, I wonder who it is, but I'm the greatest, so I'm going to be greater than you are. And they have this argument. It's like grade three all over again, right? And, and here's, you, you have to wonder if Jesus in that moment was sitting here thinking, did I choose the right guys? <laughs> did I choose the right guys to be with you? Like, this is this, this pivotal moment in history. And all they can think about is themselves. And who's the greatest? And, 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 they, and to top it off, of course, we also know that they, they abandoned him. In Mark 14, verse 50, it says, Then all the disciples deserted him and, and ran away. And so here's this picture of the disciples we see. They were a train wreck. They, were, they did not have it together. They had lots to figure out. But then Jesus died, and he was resurrected. And we begin to see something different in the disciples. And, you know, Jesus, of course, came and he spent a whole bunch of time on earth again after his resurrection. He spent time with the disciples and, and, and talked with them and explained things to them and worked all these things out with them. And, he, and then, if, then after that, they went in the upper room and the Holy Spirit, God, came. And, and we talked about that last week. That was the purpose that Jesus did this so that we could have God living within us. 
And so now they have the Holy Spirit living in them, and they become changed, very changed people. And, and we see, let me, I'm going to read you this story here in Acts 4, verse 13, because this demonstrates that these people that just a few verses earlier can't, are just fighting about who was the greatest, and now something is different. In Acts 4, verse 13, it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men, with no special training in the scripture. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And and here's what happened. Their identity became not so secret. Their identity became obvious. It was obvious that they were Christians. It was obvious that they had followed Jesus, that they had been with Jesus because because of the change that happened in their lives. And, and, And it's super important to note why the identity had been revealed. It was because of Jesus, because of their relationship with God. See, one of the other times for me where God really changed my heart was, was actually about Uganda. And, and uh, we're, we're taking a trip there in, in a month. We're going to be going to Uganda again and super excited about that. And, and many of you know me as the, as, as the missions guy that takes teams to Uganda because I've been doing it for a while now. But I don't think most of you would know the story behind how that happened and, and what happened in that scenario. And originally what happened, I think it's about seven years ago, uh, I, I came up to Pastor Keith and I wanted, I wanted to take my kids on a missions trip because, you know, we've, they've, they've been raised in the Western world and they know all the things and the luxuries and stuff that we have and they've never experienced a third world country. And so I wanted to, as a parent, I wanted to expose them to that. I wanted them to be able to, to see that, you know, how good we have it and all those kinds of things. And, and so I came up to Pastor Keith and I said, Pastor Keith, I would love to someday, not right now, but someday, I'd love to take my kids on a missions trip to somewhere in Africa and just help them to experience this. And, um, and so the next thing I knew, Pastor Keith looked over and says, well, that's, that's great. We have, a, we have a trip that needs to go in a few months. It needs a leader. Why don't you lead it and you take your, your family with you? And, and I literally went from just thinking about it to all of a sudden this is happening. And all of a sudden we're going on this trip. And, uh, and uh, you know, honestly, if I was, you know, be really transparent with you about it, I was super, super anxious about it. There was a whole bunch. I just never done a bunch of this stuff. I had never done all these things. And there was all kinds of things. The flight, it's a long flight. I had never done a long flight like that. And I had to do all these things that were going to be outside of my comfort zone. And, and so I was super anxious about the whole thing. And, and really, my head was not in a great place. Uh, as we as we kind of got this journey off on, on the ground, and we landed, and and our first day uh, of the missions trip, we had this task to do, and that was to go door to door, and we were witnessing to people and going to people's homes and bringing mosquito nets and ask, telling them about Jesus and and different things like that, and and you know for those of you who know me well, uh, you know, you might, you might not realize this, or don't know me well, rather. You might not realize this. Sometimes people think that I'm really outgoing and I'm, I have no problem talking to people I don't know. And, but I've actually learned to do that. That's actually not something that I do naturally. And I was, uh, you know, going and talking to people that I don't know well was a real challenge for me. It was a real struggle. And I was actually having a terrible day. I was, I was miserable that whole day. And I was pretending that I was doing great and I had this big smile on my face and because I had this team of people with me and, and I, you know, I didn't want to let them know that I was miserable and so I was trying to pretend I had a good attitude, but I didn't. I had a terrible attitude and I was having a rough day and I literally prayed this prayer to God. I said, God, I hate this. I want to go home. <laughs> it was the first day and that's the, that's, the pray, that's the prayer I prayed 
And so as we're doing this thing, and we're going out and going to people's homes, and, and this is the prayer that's going on in my mind, all of a sudden the Lord reminded me of a prophecy over my life 15 years earlier. And I had this prophecy that I would, that I would lead teams overseas. And so now I'm thinking about this prophecy, and I went back to my, my room that night, and I found it, because I'm, I'm a nerd, and so I have everything on my phone. And so I found the prophecy, and I read the prophecy, and, and as I was reading it, I went, okay, God, this is, I have a problem here. I want to do what you want me to do, but I can't do something that I hate. You have to help me. You have to do something If this is what you're calling me to, if you want me to take teams and go overseas and do this, then you have to do something in my heart. And so the next day we went and we were doing our medical missions trip, the medical portion of the missions trip. And and I had never done this before. um, And I was surprised. People, there were hundreds of people waiting for us when we got there first thing in the morning. And many of them had walked for three and four hours to get there. So they walked in in the middle of the night starting because they're so desperate. They have no ability to get medicine and and doctors and and all these kinds of things. And, And so they came to the clinic and about halfway through, about halfway through the first day, one of the doctors that we were working with there walked up to me and, uh, and he said, Dwayne, you see that little boy over there? I said, yeah, I, I see him. He said, that little boy would have been dead within a week if you hadn't come. And I, 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 was, I came undone because he had malaria. And the thing about malaria is it's actually a very treatable disease. It's not, in many ways, it's not a big deal. We don't understand it because we don't have it here. But if you're from other parts of the world, you know about this. It's actually not a big deal. It's very treatable. $10 in medicine. And you take some medicine and you'll, and you'll recover. But if you don't treat it, it's deadly, especially in children. And it's deadly. And, and this little boy had it and he had it bad. And, and we had the medicine there to help him. And, and so this doctor came up to me and he said, this little boy would have been dead within a week. And all I could think about was the fact that I wanted to stay home. I was the guy who was praying, God, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be at home watching some superhero movie than be here doing this thing. And, and I, all I could think of was, if I had made that choice, this family would be doing a funeral right now. And, 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 I, and I'd be oblivious to the impact that I could have made. And I tried, to, so I, I was a wreck as a mess as they were telling me this. And, and I'm trying to talk with our team at the end of the day and, and explain to them what was happening. And I, I couldn't even get it out. I was like having a hard time even just communicating because it was so overwhelming. Uh, it was so overwhelming, just the impact and the difference and, and the thought that we literally made the difference in this, in this child and this family. And so a few days later, we're out back doing the same task we were doing at the beginning. We're going out home to home and bringing mosquito nets and asking them if they, want to, if they know Jesus and, and these different things. And we're doing this whole thing. Except this time, everything was different for me. This time, I was actually having the time of my life. And I can't explain it other than that God changed my heart. And, and, and I went out there and we went doing these different things. And it was like the best time I've ever had because God changed me. And, and so then when, you know, the trip was ending and we were going, like, I never, I never planned on doing Uganda trips. That wasn't my heart and my plan. I just went to, for my kids. That's why I went. I went to take my kids. And, and towards the end of the trip, I realized, you know, I can't bring my family every time. That's not feasible. But I could bring teams. And I could regularly take people from, from Church of the Rock. And we could go and we could bring medical missions to these, these villages in Uganda that have no ability to get medicine and, and so I began doing that. And before COVID, we had taken four trips and then COVID happened. And now we're taking a fifth uh, in, in October and we're, we're doing this thing again. And you know what will happen is people will line up 
People will, I've literally seen people walk all night long to get to this clinic so they can get medicine. That's how desperate they are. And it's for the price of what we would pay for a coffee sometimes. And, and so God just changed my heart and transformed me. And, and now this, this is what I do. And I take teams um, overseas. It's kind of like this one day I came home from, from work and my wife, she had put this new sign up in our kitchen and said, prayer changes things. And as soon as she left the home, I quickly took it down and went and hit it because I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't want to see it. And, and she came home and she saw the picture was gone. And she said, what, why did you take the picture down? You don't, you don't like prayer? I said, no, I, I love prayer. I'm just tired of change. I don't want any more change in my life. <laughs> so the first person who ended up having a not-so-secret identity is Moses. The second person, or, or people were the disciples. And here's the last person we're going to look at today, and it's Paul. And Paul was the biggest disaster of them all. And of course, his name was Saul originally. He became Paul later. And, and uh, you know, Saul was, he was doing everything he could, he could to stop what God wanted and what God was doing in the church. And, and uh, he, was the per, he was a persecutor. He was, he was part of murder. And he was doing all these different things. And, and uh, let's, I'm just going to pick up that story in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. And it says, Saul, who was one of the witnesses, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except for the apostles, were scattered throughout the entire region of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So here you have this man. He was literally going house to house, dragging men and women out, throwing them into prison, destroying their lives, part of the murder of Stephen. This is this, is this man, Paul, Saul at the time, became Paul, who later wrote over half of the New Testament. He's, he, most of these, these letters we read in the New Testament were written by him. This man changed drastically. And his life was a disaster. His life was a train wreck. He was a persecutor and he was a part of murder. But then he got saved and Jesus changed everything. And, you know, it's interesting to me because he, he was fully aware of who he was. He knew what, how much of a disaster his life was and how much he was on the wrong track in the past. And, and this is what he says about himself in 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 to 16. He says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinner. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And, and, and so here you have Paul. He recognizes what is the disaster his life was. He recognized how much he had changed. And he actually tells us in 1 Corinthians how he changed. In verse 5, chapter 15, verses 9 to 10. And once again, he says, For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me. And not without results, for I've worked harder than any other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who worked through me by his grace. And here we have Paul recognizing the reason he changed. He literally went 180 degrees from who he was. 
He was the guy that was dragging people, men and women, out of their homes and into prison and then becomes the guy who's actually preaching the gospel and declaring the very things that he was fighting against. This is a significant change. This doesn't happen in, in naturally. Only God can do things like this. And this is, you know, what others, Paul actually in, in Galatians, he talks about what others talk about him and how the work had changed. In Galatians 1, 24, he says, And still, the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was what the people were saying. The one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Paul became a completely different person. Almost no resemblance to who he was before, all because of a relationship with Jesus. And Paul's not so secret at any, was, was actually pretty clear. The person he used to be, he was no more, and now he was a changed individual. Now you may or may not know the name John Newton, and uh, he was born in, in 1725, a long, a long time ago. And you know, when, when he was six, his mom passed away, and by the age of 11, he actually became a seaman. He got involved in, in ships and all those kinds of things. And, and he was a rebel. He, he got into all kinds of trouble, as you can imagine, and uh, made, made a mess of his life and, and started getting involved with the slave trade. And he was a part of, of capturing and, and selling and bringing slaves to the different plantations in different parts of the world. And that became his life. And eventually he actually became a sea captain. He became a captain of, of, one, of, those, of one of those ships. And, and on and in March 10th, 1748, uh, what happened is their ship, there was this crazy storm that their ship was in, and it's the kind of storm that everybody on that ship did not think they would survive. Nobody thought they would survive through that. It was just, uh, you know, just too deadly, and so they were all doing what they're doing to make peace with their maker, and for John Newton, what he did is he, he, made a, he prayed to God and said, all right, God, I, I need to make my right, life right with you, and he became a Christian, in that moment. And, and then, of course, what happened is the, the ship made it. They didn't die, and they, they made it to port. And, and now he had, a, he had a real problem because his livelihood was doing something that honestly wasn't very Christian. He was making money off of capturing and, and then selling slaves. That's what he was making money off of. And, and, and he didn't know, what am I going to do? Am I going to throw that all away? How do I make money? Remember, he's been doing this since he was 11. It's the only thing he knew. He didn't know how to do anything else. And so at first he decided, you know, maybe I'll just try to make the environment a little better. And then I can, I can satisfy some of my, my guilt. If I just make the environment a little better here on the ship, and then that'll be good enough. But that, you know, he still felt the, the guilt about that, knew it wasn't right. And so then he started doing services for the crew. And he did worship services on the, with the crew. So they're sitting here on a slave ship, and he's doing worship services for the crew. Uh, once again, trying to appease this conscience of his and, and trying to go, okay, Lord, I'm a Christian now, and, and, and I'm trying to make things right and do things better. But eventually he, he, he knew he had no choice. He couldn't do it anymore, and he actually became a champion uh, to, to, to go the other way and, and to release slaves and against slavery and all those things. And, and he became this preacher, super well-known preacher, and, and uh, you know, for championing the cause of, of anti-slavery. And he wrote a hymn that probably most of you know called Amazing Grace. And, and you know, here's this man who didn't change overnight. And, and sometimes we look at these journeys and we think, you know, wow, they, got, they know God and all of a sudden everything changed. No, he, 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 he took, it was a journey for him. And in fact, he resisted. He resisted the change a little bit. 
But God was persistent and God was gracious and kept working at him and working at him and working at him. And eventually he changed and he became the man that God wanted him to be. But all because, because he had a relationship with God. And I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're in the same place as me. And I've been that guy that's tried to change things about me. And I've tried to, I've known things that God's not pleased with, or I've known things that God would like you know, me to do differently. And, and I've tried to be that guy to, to make these changes myself and in my own strength and my own power. And, and, and I'm, tired of, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of failing and trying so hard to, to become something that I think God wants me to become and not allowing God to do the work in, in my heart. And so what I, what I have done is what I've endeavored to do is I've endeavored to get to know God and allow him to change me instead of me trying to change me. And as I've done that, he has changed me more and more. And we look at these stories, we look at these disciples and, and, and Moses and, and, and Paul, and we see time after time after time, when we have relationship with God, he changes us. Our identities as a Christian becomes a not-so-secret identity because he changes us and others around us recognize what's happening in our lives. And my question to you is, are you still changing? doesn't matter how old we are. doesn't matter what, where we're at in life. God actually wants to change us. God wants to, for us to, to, to draw closer to him and become more and more like the people he has called us to be. And he has things that he wants to ask of each of us, and we all have to get to that place. And, and make no mistake with this, each and every one of us needs to change. Each and every one of us. And honestly, probably more than we know. We probably need to change more than we know, but everyone who draws close to God will get changed. And not just a little, but in very significant ways. Let's stand together. Here's what I want to do before we close today. I want to give you an opportunity for, for those of you who, who you don't actually have a relationship with God right now, or maybe you did at one point and that was a long time ago and, and you're not walking with him. You, you're, you have no communion with God. And I want to give you an opportunity to fix that. We can actually deal with that right now and we can start that journey right in the spot. It's actually not hard. I'm, we'll just say a prayer together and it'll be a prayer inviting Jesus into, into your life. And so what I'm going to do is I don't want to embarrass anyone or sing anyone. I'm going to ask everyone just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you here in the room or, or online, uh, just put up your hand. Or if you're online, you click the little button. Put up your hand so I can see it. And as soon as I've seen your hand, you can put it down again. And, and I'm not going to call you forward, but I just want to say a prayer with you and give you an opportunity to, to make this decision right. Thanks. I see your hand at the back. Anyone else where you'd say, you know what? This is, this is my time. I've been waiting long enough and I need to make this happen. just want to give you one more opportunity. Thanks. I see your hands at the back. So here's what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer together. And it's a prayer inviting Jesus into your, your life. And uh, we're all going to repeat it together so no one's embarrassed or no one's singled out. So let's repeat this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I ask for your forgiveness. I know I've made mistakes. And I need your help. I want you to change me. I want to make you the Lord of my life. And so today, I make a choice to make you my Lord and my Savior. Today, I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. 
You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app. 